Good afternoon. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker. It's Saturday the 21st, and uh, this is a special show. Uh, I have my third guest. Uh, my first two are near and dear to my heart, uh, my sons, Bobby and Jack. And uh, we have uh, Matthew Tuttle from Tuttle Capital Management. If that uh, sounds familiar at all, it's because I've been uh, uh, as subtle as a two-by-four talking about SOGU, their short DSPAC ETF, which I'm a big fan of. It isn't all they do, but it'll be a topic of the conversation. But uh, Matt, thanks for coming on and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, we talked a little, bo- a little bit about this and I did some research on my own, but very quickly, give me your path, what you did before, uh, how you, f- you founded Tuttle, uh, or, or how Tuttle found, found you. <laughs> Please enlighten yeah. us. So, you know, it started off at, at a bunch of different brokerage firms, was horrified by what passed as financial advice, kind of thought maybe insurance companies would be better, went to a couple of those was equally horrified with passed for financial advice. Someone gave me a book on how to start your own RIA in 2003 and jumped at that and kind of was running my own wealth management shop for a while. Started having, you know, other people come to me and ask if, if we could be kind of their outsourced chief investment officer, which, you know, the investment side has always been my passion. So I said, you know, yeah, we'll do that and set up a money management company to do those things. Um, Fast forward a couple of years, ended up uh, getting rid of my wealth management firm, giving it to one of my clients, focused entirely on the money management side. In 2015, started launching ETFs. And then at the end of last year, we started having other people come to us who you know, wanted to launch ETFs and wanted to partner with someone who, you know, knew how to do it. And and we started doing that as well. So, you know, we're kind of sitting here, we've got a bunch of our own ETFs now, and we've got you know, a bunch of ETFs for other people that are in various process of, of launching and filing. Is everything that you, you sponsor now your own created ETFs? At this point everything in time, everything that we have, right? Everything we have out there now, yes, it is. We've got a, you know, an ETF coming out on Tuesday, and another three coming out next Tuesday. Yours, ETFs we launch for other people. Okay, you, so yours is Tuesday, and then everybody else is coming up after no, that. No, no, no. So that's somebody else. Okay. Is, is Tuesday. So that's a okay. firm called Revere Wealth Management. Okay, we're launching an ETF for them on Tuesday. Can you share with? You share with us what that is and what the oh, focus yeah. is? Yeah, so uh, so the company's Revere Wealth Management. It's called the Revere Sector Opportunity ETF. The symbol is RSPY. And basically what they do, it's run by a guy named Scott Fullman, who's, you know, a genius. CF, you know, all the, the different C, uh, you know, designations. They start off with, you know, kind of the the select sector spider weights of the S&P 500. And then he's overweighting or underweighting based on a bunch of different things, macroeconomic, fundamental, technical. So, you know, he can be totally out of a sector. He can overweight it. He can underweight it. And it's it's buying the select sector spiders. Fantastic. Fantastic. Talk about, uh, uh, you know, I obviously talk about SOGU, uh, the DSPAC ETF, the short ETF, 
And uh, if you followed me on social media, you 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 know I've been relentless. Um, I talk my own book, but I admit it. Uh, but tell me about what else you do, and then we'll segue into SOGU, please. Yeah, so our largest ETF is SPCX, which is our pre-merger SPAC ETF. So it is the first pre-merger, fully pre-merger SPAC ETF to be launched. We launched it in the middle of December. Uh, it's got somewhere close to about 100 million in it. So, yeah, so we've got that one. Um, we also have FOMO, which we just launched a couple of months ago, which is, you know, basically what you would expect it to be, the meme stock, some of the innovative technology, you know, things that are set up for a short squeeze, you know, with the Apples and the Amazons and, and stuff of that nature. We have Fat T, which is our, um, it's designed to be positive carry tail risk. So the idea is we want to be able to make a little bit of money the 99.9% .9 of the time the market's going up, but then when the market gets crunched and, and really, you know, like a COVID or 2008 type of deal, we want to be able to make about as much on the upside as the market makes on the downside. How, so, do, you, how do you do that, please? So we do that, it's complicated, but basically what we're doing is the portfolio is mostly made up of index ETFs, so SPY, Qs, and the diamonds, and volatility ETFs. And we ramp up and down, could be daily, the amount of volatility we have versus the, the index funds. So the idea is we always want to own some volatility. And the volatility, again, 99.9% .9 of the time is going to bleed. It's just going to go down every single day, you know, like Chinese water torture. So the idea is we have the index funds in there to offset that bleed when the market's going up. Okay. When the market gets killed, volatility spikes. So, for example, at the height of COVID, you know, these volatility ETFs, we're up 300% at a time when the market was down 30. So the idea is, you know, in a COVID type of situation, we would be ramping up how much volatility we own so that, you know, we're not going to be up 300%, but the idea would be markets down 30, we want to be up 30. And then things go back to normal, we ramp down to kind of our base case, which is typically around 10%, you know, 10% or so in volatility. Okay. Okay, you don't you don't buy long term leaps. No, no, okay. no long term leaps. We we developed a a treasury sleeve that we may end up putting into it, but I'm not going to put it in here. I'm not a not a big fan of, of treasuries at the moment, so I'll wait for them to get crunched, and we might add those in. But at this point, no, nothing on the option side. Uh, I got to ask you. Uh, uh, I, I was watching Barron's last night, uh, the Michael Burry, Kathy Wood debate comes up. And the first thing I do when I hear something like that is said, you know, is there a way to participate? How do you short ARC, the, the ARC Innovation Fund? Tell me your thoughts on that, please. Well, so yeah, and, and I'm sure you and your viewers know, we, we filed a couple of weeks ago for SARC, which the idea <laughs> behind that would be to give the inverse exposure of the ARK Innovation ETF. 
Um, you know, can't obviously talk too much about it because it's been filed, it hasn't been approved. You never know whether it will be approved, but the idea is in, in nothing against Kathy Wood in any way, shape or form. I mean, we've got tremendous respect for the guys at ARC for what they've done. But what's interesting is if you look at the landscape of the major sectors, the major industries, the major indexes, there are long and there are short ETFs for those because everyone's gonna have a different opinion, a different thing they're doing in your portfolio. Sometimes you may wanna be long technology. Sometimes you may wanna be short technology and you've got the tools for that. What ARC has done to their credit is they've created an entirely new sector for lack of a better word. And I think Goldman Sachs referred to it as unprofitable tech, which I mean, I guess isn't my favorite description because I mean, you know, it wasn't developed by a marketing guy who wants to buy unprofitable tech, but until someone comes up with something better, you know, Jim Cramer had Woodstocks. I don't, I mean, I maybe like unprofitable <laughs> tech better. Um, there, there's no way to short unprofitable tech because unprofitable tech, if you look at it, is not correlated with profitable tech you know, your Apples and your Amazons and, you know, all that stuff. So we're just providing a tool. You know, hey, if you if you want to go long on profitable tech, buy Kathy Wood's funds. Yeah. I mean, you know, nothing better as far as I've seen out there. We're giving you a tool. If you want to go short on profitable tech, that would be, you know, that that's what we're trying to do there. Uh, ballpark timing on that, please. Um, if it gets approved middle of october okay terrific uh i will keep an eye on that certainly and i'll let our, our our audience know uh talk to me about about flows and what you see what that tells you about investor sentiment right now given the other funds that you have please so the biggest stuff we're seeing is we're seeing outflows from our pre-merger spac fund and we're seeing inflows into sogo and that tells me you're, you're, you're welcome Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> I've done my part, believe me. <laughs> Beautiful. So, but that tells me a couple of things. So unfortunately, when we launched our pre-merger SPAC fund, SPACs were in a bubble. And investors, I, th I think individual investors were looking at pre-merger SPACs, same way they look at meme stocks where, you know, hey, I can buy this pre-merger SPAC. And, you know, and they saw it with Churchill, CCIB, yeah. you know, that thing went up to 66, which is just, it's insane. I mean, it, you know, $10 in trust and it's trading at 66. So they're looking at these things like meme stocks and then the bubble burst and, you know, and the retail investors left and, you know, and I'm pounding the table saying, well, wait a second, you know, pre-merger SPACs are not meme stocks. Pre-merger SPACs are an event-driven strategy that is uncorrelated from stocks and bonds. That's what you should be looking at this yeah. stuff as, you know, kind of like, you know, for, for decades, investors have used things like merger arbitrage strategies. Mm -hmm. As an event-driven strategy, you put 10, 20% in your portfolio, and it's not correlated with stocks and bonds. And the problem is those things make two, three, 4% a year. 
And, you know, I looked at, you know, one of the big merger RBTFs during the COVID crisis, it was down 20%. So what I'm trying to pound the table on is, look, pre-merger SPACs are not a meme stock. You know, you're not going to buy it at 10, it's going to go to 66. But this is an event-driven strategy. It's non-correlated with stocks and bonds. And that just hasn't caught on yet, unfortunately. And you've got all this stuff trading in the nines that is $10, $10.15 in trust. And what you are starting to see is you're starting to see, you know, the yield guys realize, you know, wait a second, I'm getting nothing on, you know, on my bonds, but I can get a two, three percent or more yield to maturity on a pre-merger SPAC and still have the optionality if this guy puts together a good okay. deal, yep. to get a pop. So we're seeing rumblings of that. So that's good. And, you know, the money going into Sogu, I mean, you know, you see it, these D SPACs, <laughs> they're, they're getting their butt kicked. And, you know, people want to short these names and, you know, but you don't want to short these individual names. I mean, we own Clover Health and Sogu, you know, a month and a half or so ago, Clover Health was up like 100% in a day. Right, right. I mean, God forbid you're short Clover Health on yeah. that day. That, now, I mean, that, that's, that's a very bad day for you. So in Sogu, you're short Clover, C-L-O-V. You know, you don't own it, you're short it. So do we are short clover. Okay, that is part of, a, part of the index, yes. Talk to me about that. Uh, how do you pick the 25 stocks that you're short in, in, in Sogu, please? So it's 25 of, not the, 25 of the largest companies that have come public through a SPAC merger with a 12-month look back. So the 12-month look back is important. We want fresh D-SPACs. We want companies that have just come out. Wall Street's not covering them yet. They're not in any other funds that you own. So, you know, they're they're totally and completely different. So like, you know, DraftKings, that fell out of the index a couple of months ago. Okay. And, and to me, with good reason, I mean, DraftKings is more of a mature type of company now. You know, it's probably in a bunch of different ETFs and mutual funds at this point. And we want the fresher stuff. Okay. Um, why we why we don't just pick the largest? A couple of reasons. We want to be somewhat diversified by industry and sector. But what we're also looking at, we're getting feedback from our counterparties. Is there a stock that is basically impossible or near impossible to borrow? Because if it is, I can have it in the index, but. If I can't get borrow on it, yeah. it's not going to be in the index, so it doesn't it doesn't help anybody. So we want to make sure we've got twenty five names that we can we can actually get inverse exposure to. And you adjust monthly? Do I have that right? We adjust it every month. Yes. What are assets in Sogu right now, please? They're at about twenty three million, a mm -hmm. little bit above twenty three million right now. Uh, maybe you can comment on this. Maybe you can. What's it cost to? Do, or what did it cost when you originally shorted Ride and, and Nicola, please? So, I, I, in, in quite honestly, I don't know. It changes a lot of times on a daily basis. So it, it's all different. It's all based on supply and demand. There is certainly, you know, a cost built in. So, I mean, so, which is, which is why we have it listed as an actively managed ETF 
even though the DSPAC index is an index, there's going to be tracking error. And most of that tracking error is coming down to the cost of the swaps. Sure. But it's, it's changing every single day. The counterparties are coming to us or almost every single day with a new cost to borrow. And this is your index, right? It isn't uh, somebody else's that you ad- adhere to. It's your own constructed index. Right. We okay. created the we created the index. It's called the DSPAC index. Catch you. Know, anyone who has a Bloomberg can see it. We make the members public. You know, we we want you know. I mean, most people who create indexes, you can't see the members. We want people to be able to see the members. We want you to know, hey, this is. I mean, you know, these are the names. Do you rebalance monthly to get them close to 4% a piece or? Yeah, I mean, the idea is we bring them back to 4%. Okay, okay. And, and we do that because as you can imagine, this gets out of whack. I mean, really on day one, I mean, the way these names move. Right. So, you know, unlike maybe some indexes that, that may not, if they're not making changes, we we definitely have to rebalance or else we'd end up all all sorts of whack gotcha gotcha uh as as we talked about uh on the ride over here my sons are 24 and 23 they're the reason i do this uh the the prudentials and the and the uh uh pain webbers aren't talking to them and if they were they would probably give horrible advice frankly and oh, yeah. so, and so i you know cut into the void i again i'm as subtle as a two by four most of the time but uh i know you dropped your son off in indiana did I get yes. that right? Is Hoosier? Yeah, my, my youngest, yep, just dropped him off in Indiana last week. So this is going to be helpful, and this is my prism, is, you know, what life and or investor advice would you give to your your, your son, your Hoosier, uh, and my sons in our audience, if anything springs to mind? Well, yeah, and, and we're somewhat in the same boat. I mean, I have a 23-year-old daughter and another 22-year-old son, and, you know, so it's, it's really a couple of things. I mean, on the financial front, the conventional wisdom is not necessarily wisdom. You hmm. know, just because someone is out there saying something does not make it true. And if the conventional wisdom was wisdom, the Forbes 400 would be like the Forbes 40,000. There's a reason that it isn't. Uh, so, you know, that's number one, do your homework. You know, just because I'm out here saying something or someone's on CNBC or somebody writes a book about something, you know, do your own homework, do your own research and, you know, do what makes sense to you. The other thing, I mean, you know, I tell my kids all the time, learn how to think, you know, you what you know, you come out of college, you go into a job. I see it all the time. These kids are really good at doing what they're told to do, but they don't know how to think. They don't know how to say, all right, why am I doing what you're telling me to do? What's the big picture of what I'm doing? And if you don't ask those questions, if something is out of the ordinary, you don't know it. If something is wrong, you don't know it. Um, And you really, I mean, you're you're not that valuable out there in the working world unless you can think. Yeah. And I mean, I just I I, I just see that as such a big problem these days. That I mean, that's what I'm telling kids all the time. I really appreciate that. How can our people, our our audience, 
reach out to you? What's the best way to follow you maybe on social media? Tell us how people can do their due diligence on your many ETFs that you offer, please. Yeah, so I mean, our website is TuttleCap.com. I'm on Twitter at TuttleCap. I just learned how to use Twitter like three months ago. Oh, so you're, so, you're, you're behind me. You're the one guy behind me. Welcome to the Luddites. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm, I'm 52 years old. Didn't even, re I mean, I, I had invested in Twitter, obviously, in the funds, but yeah. really didn't understand it until about three months ago. So I'm on that. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, you know, still working on figuring that out one thing at a time. Uh, so, you know, we're on those two things as well. Okay. Uh, we'll uh, learn together. I'll obviously share this. I'll put this all in the, in, in the show notes. I really appreciate it. I'm fascinated to see about Sark, and I'll be on top of that. Uh, and I'll follow you on Twitter to, to do that. And I'll keep, learn. Keep, keep an eye out. There's another thing we're working on. Logistically, I'm not 100% sure it's possible, but I think it is. So if it is, I would assume we'd be filing for it in, in a week to two weeks. Okay. Yeah, that's all you can say? That's all I can say right now, but it, it will be a very interesting idea if we're able to get it off the ground. Well, that's a tease, as, a, as they say in the, in the TV business. Hey, uh, great meeting you. Uh, I really appreciate this. I appreciate SOGU. We're going to talk about that on, the, on the, uh, the main show. I'll let you go. Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye. Right, Bye-bye.